Thanks for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for for having me here and happy to get in on the ground floor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my name is James. I met Tony while working at Google on the Google Surveys project. He and I worked pretty closely on an app called Google Opinion Rewards, and we pushed it forward, which was a lot of fun and very interesting. My background, I come from New Jersey, so I'm from the East Coast, and I would say my dad is probably yeah. the one who, who got me interested into computers because he was interested into computers. He's an optometrist, so he's oh. not a, he doesn't work for IBM. Or but something. as a hobby. Right. It was um, an Atari 800XL was oh. the first computer that I used. So that, I, I looked this up, so I was a little bit prepared. Okay, yeah, good. Um, it's, a, it's an 8-bit computer, had 64K of, of memory, and it must have been around 84, 85. Is okay, a that's pretty early, yeah. So it was an Atari, was it more of a computer or more of a gaming Right, so device? this was the, the question with Atari, was the 2600, which people might be familiar with, yeah. that was definitely a gaming console. Uh, at the time, but that was a few years before. And so they they started to make, uh, go into the computer hobby space, but it was still, I think, graphics oriented was kind of their differentiator. I see. Um, so the Atari 800 XL was a keyboard with a cartridge slot. We eventually had a five and a quarter floppy disk drive and also a cassette, um, okay. uh, I guess, input output device. And we could hook up a joystick also. So I played I games see. with the joystick. Um, I see. And so that was your first introduction, mainly through games, because at that age, you were probably not, yeah, right. doing, doing much other than uh, Yeah, I'm games in elementary school. Yeah, um, exactly. And playing Jungle Hunt, okay. uh, summer games. You know, there was a, those text-based discovery games, uh, not Zork, but Wishbringer. Adventure, maybe? Wishbringer was the one, I oh, think, okay. that it had a, like a glow-in-the-dark plastic stone that I liked. Piece of plastic uh, that I liked. Um, I see, I see. Uh, I see, but that introduced you at least to a computer and typing. Um, uh, when do you think you got interested in computers as more than just games? Right, so I believe that I started to type programs on the Atari 800 XL. I wouldn't say that I was programming because the the little that I remember of that time, Mm. there was a magazine called Byte. And I think it had programs that you could type out and it would then display a jack-o'-lantern on the the television, which is what the computer. So I would see a two-color uh, you know, bitmap basically. And it was, I had to type and type and type. And if you make one mistake, you know, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't work. But that was, that's what I remember doing my introduction to what a computer program was. Right. Uh, that, that sounds similar to me. I, a couple of weeks ago, I volunteered for Hour of Code. Okay. Uh, and, and the students that I was volunteering with, they asked uh, what my first introduction to programming was. And it was similar. Uh, I think it was the late 80s, we had a, uh, I think it was a 286 mm-hmm. PC, and we we had a book of basic programs. I'm not sure, they were like really simple games, like, uh, like, uh, where, like there's like the skiing game, uh, where you're going downhill, and um, 
Uh, there are characters that represent trees, and you have to go left and right to dodge the trees. Sure. Um, and I think we like type the whole thing in uh, uh, in some basic text editor and ran it. And I don't think we even saved it. And so <laughs> we could, you know, we spent probably like my brother and I probably spent an hour or two typing it in, um, and then we would play it for like fifteen minutes, and then turn it off. <laughs> that hour of work is gone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That the, the the time was gone. Um, uh, at at that age, uh, did you think that you would become a computer programmer in the future? No, I, I did not. I didn't even know that that existed mm. uh, or that job existed. I think my as I as I got older, I remember having access to the the Radio Shack TRS eighty or Trash eighty. Oh. That was in middle school, so <laughs> that's that's getting closer to eighty nine, ninety, ninety one um, yeah. for me and. I re- that's where I, I started programming, I would say, because I, I wrote the, in basic, you know, uh, 10 print and like 20 right. go to 10, yep. that type of stuff. I think I also wrote, not, I didn't create this, but as one of the exercises, uh, there was a, it was a typing game where characters would fall down from the top of the screen uh-huh. and you had to type the character before mm. it hit the bottom. So very right, similar right. to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, right. There was a whale involved, if I remember also. Um, <laughs> just, you know, some graphic that would slowly move sure. from the right so that if it would make it harder to... Because you had to be faster at that point because then if it right. hit the whale or the whale ate it or something like that, you you would lose. Right, um, right. So yeah, TRS-80, 386SX was the first sort of IBM PC mm-hmm. clone that I had. Um, yeah, yeah which I think was somewhere in between the 286 and the 386 proper uh, right. different bus size, weird things. Sure, like, yeah. Something like that. Um, and that's, I and, still didn't know about programming as a job, though. Right. Um, and then during high school, did you have any uh, programming classes or anything like that? We had typing classes. Okay, I, right, yeah. I don't think there was anything... It's weird. I think my middle school with the... A class with the the TRS eighty was more of a programming computer sort of development class than what I had in high school. High school, there were that was they had apples, so I think it was like mm-hmm. an Apple LE or or something like. It wasn't the Fish Tank Classic; it was whatever came after that. I think. I see. Um, we weren't really programming. We we're typing. We we're at that point. We were writing. I would write reports at home uh, on a on a computer and it would be printed on a dot matrix printer. And, and at right. school we'd be writing paper type things, but not programming. Right. Um, at home though, I, I think I, I did a little bit more basic, but then in 95, 96, uh, I can't, it's around then. I think I, that's when I got a, a book about Java one. Um, oh, right. And, and also was, was using modems with, BBSs before, but really, when I once I had access to a modem, it was very there was a very short amount of time before there were things like Prodigy, CompuServe, AOL. So I think mm-hmm. I I had a little bit of BBS and then the then web email type things. Right. Uh, but BBS was probably mostly just also just games. Yeah, games and and. Anarchist cookbook and sure, Jolly right. Roger yep. cookbook. These yep. weird wares. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I remember that from from uh, yeah, yep, mid nineties. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah, but the Java was my introduction to. Okay. Uh, I think compiled programs, and I didn't. I still didn't understand what was happening 
um, you know, I would type public static void main and, you know, mm. print things system sys.println or yeah, something. You know, right. And I'd, I'd write, I made a, a calculator that could convert between Kelvin, Celsius, okay. and Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah. And a little, it had a GUI. So I, I learned about like, it's the abstract window toolkit or some something like that. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, the AOL was what my family was using to connect mm-hmm. to the internet. Um that's where I discovered the sort of web pages. And so I had my, I had a homepage. And so I learned about HTML, JavaScript. uh, And that's where I think my interest really Mm. got peaked because of the very quick uh, turnaround. I didn't have to wait for things to compile, right? I would just write in the text file with HTML and then then like, yeah, and blink and these marquee weird tags. Uh, And so that was what got me in, I think. And it was all mostly self-taught? Yeah, that's all self-taught, um, just reading other web pages, looking mm-hmm. at the source. I mean, view source was, was a godsend right. uh, at the time. Uh, was the Java as well self-taught or from a book maybe? Yeah, there was also okay. from a book. It, I, I think it was Semantic might have been the, had the, the IDE and the, the compiler that I was using. Um, I, I didn't know what open source was. Um, right. I think it was, it was like coffee Coffee something was related right. to Java, but it was I'm pretty sure it was semantic in the book and um I see. Yeah, so that's that was all self taught, but very basic programs. But you would say uh between Java and JavaScript, mostly you probably learn more JavaScript just because the open nature of the web and you could view source and and I feel like at the time there were lots of tutorials on the web about JavaScript and, and HTML. Yes, yeah, that that definitely it it was an, an interesting dovetail with so that was a that was my last two years of high school probably so then when I went to college I went in undeclared but I I, I had uh, there was also Pixar so I think Toy Story mm-hmm. came out around the same time and right. um, seeing the three D animation also was interesting and I thought wow computers and the graphics. I had also been playing game. You know, games had had gotten much more advanced. There were Space Quest from Sierra. There were nice sound and graphics. Yeah, uh, right. Doom was or not Doom. Uh, Wolf Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Yeah. Um, and so I think then the gaming aspect came back, and I that's plus the web sort of dovetailed into a mm-hmm. okay. Maybe I'm kind of interested in doing computers for a job because somebody must be getting paid to make this stuff. Sure. Um, and so I, in college, I did take some computer science courses, but I wasn't a, a declared computer science major. And I also I took see. art and film uh, were sort of my three uh, foci. I see. So, so your undergraduate degree then is not in computer science? Right. It's, it's actually from Berkeley has a, something called an interdisciplinary studies oh. field major or ISF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of it as a triple minor. So that's, yeah. that's sort of what I did. Um, but I took classes were in Scheme, uh, learning recursion, and sort of object-oriented stuff. That's where it's more formal things really came. Uh, and then I, I could see. tie it back to the Java. I think my data structures and algorithms class right. at the time was the first semester that they used Java instead of C++. I so I didn't. I missed the C++ boat completely at the time. 
Uh, but it was that was my reintroduction to oh that's what all this stuff means because I right. never learned what static was. I, I didn't sure. know what public did. There's right, words right. I typed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then did did you think that you were going to graduate and get a job in programming or uh, what? What were your plans after after college? Yeah, so I I thought I was gonna be a three D animator. Oh, okay. Um, there was one animation class at Berkeley that was taught by the assistant professor who taught the the graphics class. So it was CS thirty nine A was this sort of almost a seminar. It's only two credits. We got to use three D programs that were way too expensive to right. for any student to buy and had access yeah. to labs. I remember taking. Uh, zip drive discs because you know 100 yep. megabytes was a huge deal at the time yeah. uh, to the labs I would be there overnight and so I did my thesis for my ISF major nice. was something about computers and society so it was kind of describing how we got to this point uh, where computers and art and life kind of intersect and then nice. I made a small animation as part of the thesis so that I only had to write 15 pages instead of 40 was it also uh, were they SGI computers? Oh no, they were they were Macs. Oh, they were um, Macs. They were Macintosh. The there was a program called Infinity, and then they mm. also had. There, I think the architecture department had might have had SGIs that had 3ds Max. Um, oh, right, right, yeah, 3D Studio Max, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but I did mine on like the the not professional 3D I software. Um, so it probably took a while to to render. Your animation, yeah. Yeah, that's why I was in the uh, in the labs. And then yeah. I actually have a photo. Uh, I bought a piece of software called Hash Animation Master. Mm. Um, and I, I used that and I borrowed... I was in a, a shared apartment. So we had four... There were four other people. And I had, I had put together an Ethernet network there. This is off campus. Mm -hmm. And so I actually oh, wow. um, used their computers to render portions of the animation. Oh. Uh, so I had like a mini render farm. Even at that point, you could there was some sort of render farm that you could... Or the software was able to push some of the computing onto other computers. Uh, I was the pusher. So I, I, I would take... I would load the software on, on like five different computers because yes. I also had, I had two computers at the time. Uh, and then I would take, you know, minutes zero through one, all the frames... Uh, put them on that computer and click render and export. And then I would do, you know, minute one to two on another computer. So they were done in parallel, but it wasn't I like see. it was distributed. But you manually it. did it. And then yeah. I stitched it together in right. uh, After Effects. Yeah, because I think the software to actually distribute and run across multiple, multiple computers hadn't really been written yet. Uh, my understanding is Pixar developed it around the time of Toy Story 1, which is what, like 98, 99? But it, it was proprietary technology. Uh, RenderMan. Right uh, was 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 their uh, software, um, and it probably didn't hit you know general software till much later. Yeah, there might have been sort of a, an early version that different programs had, uh, but I also remember you needed dongles for that software, and uh, like a physical thing to plug into the serial or the parallel port uh, that showed you had ownership of that oh, copy. Yeah, so, Form Z maybe. That or like yeah. Lightwave, I think 3D Studio had had might have had this as well. But yeah. the program I was using, which was Hash Animation Master, um, it was like a hundred bucks, and it it didn't have the advanced sort of yeah. checking. You know, once you install it, you have the product oh, key, it's fine. So, 
so that was so you're able to run it on multiple computers. Yeah, yeah. I see. I see. I see. Uh, so you were planning on becoming an animator, but did how did that work out? <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Clearly, did not become an animator. What happened was, I my last semester of college, I had a light course load, mm. so I didn't need to be there full time, and I found a position with a magazine called 3D 3D magazine okay. and they had a website called 3D Gate and they were in San Francisco so I went and I interviewed there and they gave me a job as a web developer huh. so I thought this would be my my bridge since I don't have a CS degree right. I don't I didn't go to an art school to do animation my I don't have really a demo reel it's, it's very basic uh, my my thesis wasn't done at that point either so yeah. I thought well here's a way I can get into the industry yeah. with the I'd been I had internships with doing uh, web-based client-server programming, Perl, CGI, ASP, and SQL Server uh, type stuff while I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I could do the the web development, and so I I went yeah. there. They they had people who knew uh, people in the industry. Uh, they they used Lightwave. They had people who knew how to do this, but it was not. An animation studio so i i did their online version of the website where there was a content editor um Mm -hmm. me was i was the one who was doing the graphics processing of the images doing the layout on the pages they contracted with a third party to do a redesign uh, to work with the it department to get the server side includes and any sort of cgi pearl security stuff going i see um so that that was my introduction uh, in hindsight, to the sort of corporate software engineering, much more that direction than the right. animation. And so, so I ended up, but I ended up there for six to nine months, I think. And so okay. I graduated in the spring of 2000, which was when the dot com was yeah. was falling apart. So yeah, I, right I, when right when everything was crashing. Exactly. And so I, I still didn't feel like I had a way into the animation industry, but it but I didn't realize things were crashing yet. Um, so I thought, well, let me interview with some companies that are doing programming and, and more web software development. That nice. seemed like it was still exploding. I remember interviewing with one company called Dudots, and I I went on Caltrain for the first time down the peninsula. Oh, okay. I was living in Berkeley. Yeah. Um, and someone picked me up in a Porsche Boxster with the <laughs> Dudots logo on the side, they told me that every week they pick a different employee based on merit or something who gets to keep the car for the weekend. You know, it was, oh. it was this, it was, so I felt like, oh, wow, this is kind of, this is a dot com. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and they would, that's they, a funny like office perk. It is. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's actually still kind of neat. I think as a, as a small office that I think yeah. people would probably still appreciate that or something like that, where there's a company thing that, you probably don't have yourself, right? I mean, maybe in maybe now it's like you know a cool laptop or or phone right, or right. other you know home device. Who knows? Uh, right. But at the time, it was a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, Tesla. Maybe like people want to drive a Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Like, so there'd be or Chevy I mean, Bolt. There, I, I mean, I assume Google still has the. They have like a car share for employees. Uh, where you can like borrow a Prius for the day to run errands and stuff like that. I mean, it, it's kind of like that, but a fancy car, right? And and a, and a much smaller scale. Where, yeah. Where where you know I don't. This company probably had maybe fifty people or a hundred. Yeah. Um, but that 
that uh, was my introduction into, I think, the Silicon Valley mm-hmm. sort of scene at the time. Yeah. I The one thing I remember about the interview was they asked me about taint mode in Perl. And right. I had no idea what they were talking yeah. about, even though I had been doing self-taught CGI Perl stuff. Right. And, and I knew what regular expressions were. They quizzed me on that stuff, too, but didn't yeah. know that you could... Uh, detaint the user input by passing it through a regular expression. Right. Uh, so I learned that and didn't get that job. I see. But uh, I ended up at a startup in San Francisco that did uh, marketing for, they, I think they were youth marketing. So it was, it was with a bunch of people who were very creative doing uh, flash animation, but with backend sort of programming for, for data collection or or customization and so i was the only person who really knew anything about programming as much as i knew i see and it was a bunch of artists and then you know business development people uh and they they laid off uh like half the company within six months of me joining i see Um, because of the dot com crash right so yeah so it was pretty fortuitous that you you landed that job at that time yeah, I, th- I yeah. think it, for me it was, I I still feel like such a naive person with blinders on almost my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> but that was definitely pretty, pretty fortuitous. Yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, okay, so then how long were you with this? Ah, so I was with them, they laid off half the people, half being like 17. So um, then through the 2001, things are continuing to fall apart and they got a new CEO. It was just me, the CEO, one designer and one biz dev person trying to finish up a, a contract with Levi's on oh, some wow. of their jeans. They had, you know, new jeans they wanted to have a website for. And, and there's lots of cool stuff like motion graphics and, and interactivity at the time. There was really like DHTML was just, or dynamic HTML mm-hmm. was just not really great at that time. There, right. um, Flash was just had a lot of advantages. Um, and so it did that. Then it shut down and someone... I had worked with who I also was in the same apartment building with. She had been contracting for PG&E. Okay. The same company, you know, now possibly responsible for fires. And sure. Right. Explosions. Right. But at the time they, yeah. they she was there and I thought, you know, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. So I just started contracting with her. She was uh, okay. an information architect of uh, designing web-based learning. So mm-hmm. we would, they would do stuff for, uh, inspecting the power lines or how mm-hmm. to weld the gas pipes and they they wanted to get course material online so that the the welders and the linemen and whoever didn't always have to come to the central office they didn't have to do a bunch of paperwork and then have admins doing that right. so it was a lot of tracking of basically like like what's happening with Coursera and these yeah. things but it was internal at PG&E that was probably very uh forward thinking of them to, to use the web as a way to like, uh, as, as an education material. Um, I bet most companies were still doing like onsite trainings or like, uh, mailing out booklets or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I think it may probably was determined by cost. I, I don't know yeah. how, uh, whether that's forward thinking or just being cost conscious. Well, but knowing to invest in the technology, which probably had some upfront cost, uh, but they were able to, to realize that they were going to, uh, save money in the long run. Yeah. 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 That's, that's very true. Um, they still had people 
who in, in Livermore, they have a facility that I got to go to. You put on the hard hat. They have a mini city, but it's oh. all of the different types of electronics in one place. So <laughs> I weird see. transformers on the ground, power yeah. poles. They have little mini towers with, you know, 200,000 volts going through them, right. or whatever the, the units are. Um, that makes sense. So I did that for a few years, and that's where I got introduced to things like source control, mm. really... Uh, backup and restore of databases. I mean, this is not advanced stuff, not web scale, like what right. Google or, or Amazon was doing at the time. But but I think it was another step in sort of yeah. my formalization right. as a software developer. And I, But I think that's pretty normal. Like, during college, they don't really teach... At the time, they didn't really teach that much about, like, database management or uh, source control. And I, I think... Most most people that are like that got in computers around this, our age, you know, it, it's stuff that they learned in the first few years of of, uh, of their job. Uh, how long did you stay at PG&E? Uh, too long. I, <laughs> I think it was approximately three years. I probably could have maybe one to two would have been the right amount. Okay. Um, I I knew it was time to to go when my I didn't really have a manager. I, I just, uh, I didn't have a manager at my previous job either. So it was just kind of this individual doing right. stuff. And, but someone, someone who I technically reported to, who had to, to sign off on my, 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 uh, I guess invoices or, uh, he told me that I, I wear shorts, uh, short pants, uh, <laughs> pretty much everywhere. And he said that when I'd gone to some of the other, uh, facilities, people had mentioned that oh, they really? thought it was odd. And so huh. he asked me if I could wear long pants. I see. Um, and so I did. I went out and bought, you know, sure. five pairs of pants. Yeah. And, if your but, boss asked you to, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I also thought maybe this is not the place for me. And they also started talking to me about converting to full-time. Mm. PG&E had a, they, they probably still have a pension plan. But these right. were things I hadn't really thought about. Yeah, sure. Um, I had done a 401k uh, yeah. minimally but so I was trying to think well I don't know if this is where I and I there were people right. I met there who were very nice and interesting and I I enjoyed working with them but they're basically working there their whole life right you know, they're they're 20 years and I didn't know that that was what was going to be my path and then uh around the same time a mutual friend who was working at a company called Cafe Press mm. contacted me and uh he asked me some questions about what I was doing uh, they were doing stuff in .NET. It was VB.NET, sure. a little bit of C Sharp. Yep. I sent him a C Sharp program because then I was I was curious. So I looked up what C Sharp was, and then I wrote a program to solve this twelve balls problem, where you have to determine which ball is heavier or lighter right. given a scale, and you only have three weighings or something like sure. something like that. So I wrote a like a a little program and a unit test. Um, and so that was, and then I talked to a couple of people. I don't think he was necessarily interviewing me, but maybe that was enough to say like, oh, this person's motivated. I see. So I went to Cafe Press, which was a startup. Um, yeah. So this is now mid-2000s. Right. Uh, and they made t-shirts, a printer on t-shirts and mugs and, and all sorts of stuff. I worked on the, the tool that helps you create these designs, uh, as well as the stuff that pushes it to the the production the physical production facilities not like 
I see. canary test production, but actual manufacturing plant. Right. Um, and I Print, also, printing, yeah. Yeah, you have physical things, right? Yeah. What are these? And then I also worked on a search, rewrite of their search engine, which they were using a, uh, something by a company called Indeca. Huh. And that was a sort of, you have a big machine, and when your index is too big or your queries are too slow, you buy another one right. and you make a copy. And they didn't want it. That wasn't going to scale, and it was expensive. So, And this was for their website. Yes. Right. Yeah. It was their yeah. search on their website. Yep. Right. So their marketplace, if you want to find humorous T-shirts, uh, yeah. this was... And they would index the descriptions and whatever right. the, the, the store owners would put in. And so one guy there, he, he introduced me to Lucene, which was a, uh-huh. an open source Java search thing. He yeah. didn't have that much familiarity with it, but I guess he had heard about it. And also Nutch, I think Nutch was the distributed file system. So in hindsight, what I learned is these are sort of like Nutch was the open source version of, of Google's file system. So GFS, uh, or was trying to be. Right. And then Lucene was like what the Google search would, you know, a TF, IDF um, right. indexing and, and you could do other stuff with it. Yeah. And so we... And Lucene's still around these days, I think. It's still... Apache Foundation runs it, and yeah. Yeah, and I think they, it's like Solar, I think, is another faceted search. They have, lots of stuff is built on top of it. Yeah, um, a lot of stuff is built, yeah. At the time, I think things were pretty basic. You're still yeah. kind of plumb them yourself. And right. what we did was we we got two two big, beefy boxes at the time, I think 64 gigs. Oh, wow. Uh, or no, maybe 64 megs of RAM uh, was <laughs> big. Yeah, I think megs. must have been 64 megs. Maybe. No, because maybe 64 gigs. gigs because, yeah. right, because we, we, we couldn't, uh, we needed a 64-bit version of Java uh, to right. to access the memory. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's 64 gigs. Yeah, and it's not some off-the-shelf PC because it's 64-bit. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah. And then and then we had 15 shards, and we we made sort of a, a sharded search index, and then these, these the two master and slave would, like, handle the, the right. query routing. Uh, so that was sort of my first distributed yeah really distributed system right um that I had to work with like web scale yeah 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 uh, and and then what uh where did you go after that uh yeah so that was about two years and then i i i felt like we had I learned a lot but things google amazon uh you know yahoo ebay these companies were just at a different scale right and Cafe Press was growing, but it just was never going to be that size. Right. And so I wanted to see what it was like to be at the true web scale, like catch up to everybody. Right. So I ended up joining a subsidiary owned by Amazon called A to Z, and they they did the launch of the Amazon MP3 store. So I joined them uh, okay. before there was a store. They were going to do something like um, like iTunes and a thick client, but then there was a pivot, and it was you know we're going to do this on the Amazon website. I see. Uh, the thing, the reason I joined DRM was a big deal at the time, yep. and the the director of the office. It was also only you know ten to fifteen people. He had said, "Yeah, we're looking at the WMA sort of DRM for Microsoft, but pretty sure we're going to go just DRM free MP3, and that's going to be see. our." our differentiator. And I said, okay, I can be on board with that. And so I joined Leap of Faith. We launched the store. It was successful. Uh, it was funny. Jeff Bezos would send emails uh, 
every now and then to our mailing list with like a smiley face when there was a good uh, oh, sort see. of daily uh, from the previous day's sales. Right. Um, so that was that was because he was he was he was watching. Yeah. He was watching in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. 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 And and then probably not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not anymore. But right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I see. So you made that change to Amazon because you had you kind of had uh, career goals for yourself. You had decided on career goals, uh, and you realized that at Cafe Press, uh, you, you wouldn't be able to reach those goals. Yeah, I, I, there was a future at Cafe Press, and the guy you know that I, I yeah. co-wrote the search rewrite with, he eventually became a VP, um, but that wasn't the direction. I wanted to be more closer to the tech, and I wanted right. to be closer to the technology that was closer to the front, the forefront. So right. being at being at Amazon, there was a lot of load balancing and like virtual yep. machines, and you know th- it happened that they were they ended up doing AWS and stuff. So I got exposed yeah. to S3 and sort of that way of thinking relatively early on. So I thought that was, but that was the main thing. Yeah, and so th- so you were thinking about uh, ways to grow your technical skills primarily, and 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 that's kind of what drove you uh, to uh, consider Amazon or other big companies uh, at the time. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and then you launched. Um, you helped with the launch at Amazon. Um, uh, and then, uh, where? How long did you end up staying with Amazon? I was with Amazon for almost four years. Uh, we, I did the, we did internationalization and launching in different. Mm. Uh, I think France, England, Germany, and then Japan. Uh, as Japan was was rolling out, that's when I left. Uh, they were doing some things with music. I, I realized that I was working for the music industry more than I was working for Amazon from a product perspective. Right, right. Uh, there were discussions, you know, why doesn't Sony license the catalog and blah, blah, blah. Right. And that stuff. So it's yeah. felt like the product was constrained by non-technical issues. Sure. Um, and I also got a uh, someone from Google pinged me. And so that's where I said, oh, you know, Google has a San Francisco office that's relatively well-established. Uh, I was still living in Berkeley or Oakland at the time. I, I didn't really want to commute. That's one of the things that drew me to the Amazon subsidiary in Got San it. Francisco. But I said, well, if I can work in San Francisco for yeah. Google, this is, you know, 2010. Um, okay. Sure, I'll, I'll try that. They're, they're also, I'm yeah. sure I'll learn stuff there. Right. Uh, yeah, the San Francisco office was pretty new then, I think. It only been a year or two. So yeah, so I interviewed here. I, the funny thing I remember was when choosing the teams, there were three teams I spoke with. One of them had an internal transfer fill the spot uh, right before I talked to the manager, but I still spoke with him and he, he told me, you know, sorry, whatever. I think the team that, that might have been the one pushing for me to get hired, if that even happens, uh, was in San Francisco with some sort of customer relationship tool. But then there was a team working on the search index and optimization mm-hmm. that uh, that really sounded much more interesting and right. kind of core to what Google was doing at the time. I thought that would be a better place. I had written on the, they had asked a bunch of questions, uh, you know, what do you want to work on? Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things I put was I do not want to program in C++. Um, <laughs> And then that's all I did. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you ended up. That's where yeah. I ended up. Yeah, because uh, a lot of searches is C++. Yep. Yeah. So, so good. So I finally got the bullet. I see. Uh, had you done much C++ up until that point? Zero. I had done I a little bit of C just 
as part of schoolwork. Right. Uh, that's it. So I was definitely all Java, JavaScript, Perl. Amazon had a huge Perl, Mason stuff. Right. Uh, and and again at Amazon I did some C J and I to Java stuff because the services were in Java. So I see. Uh, but yeah, C plus plus. So finally, I see. I see. Uh, but I feel like I feel like that's actually pretty common. A lot of people learning C plus plus or C uh, in work because colleges don't really teach it, and it, yeah, and these days in particular, it's just not that common. Yeah, I think now everything is moved possibly even from Java to Python or other. Yeah. A lot of at least the intro classes, if you're not right. working at the machine level. Yeah. Um, uh, and it sounds like, did you end up picking the search team, or was that mostly kind of assigned? It was, I, I put them as my top mm-hmm. out of the, they ended up finding another, so a fourth team, because one dropped out, and then they asked me to rank the ones that I would want to I join, and I put them by far as the, the top one, yeah. and it worked out. Uh, because... So. It sounds like you put them as a top because similar to when you went to Amazon, you were looking to grow your skills, uh, your technical skills. And, you know, at, at Google, clearly searches is, is one of the, the forefronts of research and, and uh, technology. Yeah, I definitely kept wanting to stay. I, I hadn't really, I guess I had my first sort of engineering manager at Amazon, even at Cafe Press. I, again, reported to somebody as did, you know, 15 other mm-hmm. engineers, but it, it didn't, in hindsight, there was really no management. Right. Uh, you know, I would talk a little bit about career, you know, once a year. Yeah. But it was really just, here's the work. Yeah. Um, do the work. Do you have problems doing the work? Okay. Yeah. Um, so so here, I, I was still growing, wanted to focus on, on technology because I actually didn't really, and even at Amazon, it was very much frontline management because the companies mm-hmm. are small. So I, I hadn't really been exposed to a large organization yet i feel uh, until eventually getting to google i see uh and then that was probably your your first introduction to like a manager and like um the team dynamics of and people trying to get promotions and and all that kind of office culture large company office culture yeah i think politics i was no longer at a startup even inside of a big company or at a a uh, startup itself the companies had been getting bigger and bigger as well over time you know 2010 these were amazon and google were were both sizable uh, yeah. at that point and and yeah it was i think within my first couple of years getting through the promotion process and dealing with performance reviews and stuff that yep. i'd never done uh oh so that's I, I i should correct myself at at amazon i did go through that once towards the end mm. but again it was their headquarters were in seattle yeah. And we were in San Francisco, so I was very much, uh, I guess, insulated from it. You right. know, I wrote some of my accomplishments down. My manager sort of uh, checked them off, and then I guess went to battle, and yeah. and that was all I knew. Right, um, right. But but at Google, you know, all these peer reviews and and kind of they had they have a structure called uh, OKRs, uh, which like are key results, objectives, and key results, and so there's a much more formalized. They had roadmaps that were much longer, and yeah. it was not—it wasn't a startup anymore. Everything I had been was a much was a much uh, smaller scope. Yeah. Uh, at that point, after you had been at Google for a couple of years, uh, did you have did you develop specific career goals? Um... Uh, yeah, I think I I started keep staying on the the individual contributor track. 
I learned more about things like the TLM, the tech lead manager, as well as the manager track, these things I, I sort of started to learn about. And I thought about what it would be like to, to either be a, a TLM or possibly switching to the management track. This would have been, uh, now we're talking maybe 2016, 2017. So almost, it, this hasn't happened for very long. But but over time, I as leading small groups of engineers or, or on longer right. term projects, I can see the value of, of having a good manager. And right. that I think is what started me thinking, you know, are there are there times when mm-hmm. I could add value based on things I've experienced where I, I might be able to be a good manager for other people? Right. Uh, I still don't have a good answer for that. I feel like I have a lot of information, but I I, I don't I don't know who would be the guest the best guinea pig to practice it on, and I mm. fear for those people because <laughs> I see uh, I have seen bad managers right. in my experience at this point. And I, so I almost, and I've also seen good ones and yeah. been managed by good ones, but I, so I know how difficult it is. Yeah. And I think that's part of what is as sort of, if I screw up as an individual contributor or if I hit a wall and have to sort of regroup, right. I'm the one who suffers and possibly the project to some degree, but, right. but, but not so much a, other humans. A team. Yeah. yeah. I see. I see. So, so you've considered the possibility of becoming a, switching to a manager track, uh, but currently, uh, you're, you're preferring to stay as an individual contributor. Yeah, and there's, there's I think some of it is there's just too much to learn um, mm. from the individual contributor standpoint. So the team I'm on now is right. much more focused on math and, and algorithms yep. than any team I've been on before, even more so than the search team that I was on. And it's just, there's there's just no time to to right. be a manager, right? So so I, right. I would have to choose. Because you, you would rather <laughs> learn the technical and math aspects of search and yeah. Right. And, and also I found the best managers uh, are very deep technically as well. Right. So I certainly, oh, there's, I see. there's nobody on my current team that I think would appreciate me being their manager. Sure. Other, you know, it's almost like a mentor or a coworker who gives you input periodically about sure. ex- life experience. I think they appreciate that, but I would, I would hate to have myself as a manager. Right on this current team right. until I had developed enough. But you could imagine being a manager on, say, a more web-focused team, which you have lots of experience of at this point. Right, yeah. Or or, yeah. or even just a, a more infrastructure team that's yeah. not so focused on the research or the math aspect. Right. But, but again, it's one of those things I, I find I constantly put myself in these positions yeah. where I am like the low person on the totem pole right. sort of knowledge-wise. That's been... That's worked. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you would like to, you enjoy learning these new skills and, and computer science in general is a good industry for that because I feel like, you know, these days machine learning is, is big and it wasn't 10 years ago. Um, but you know, there'll, there'll always be new, new things to, to learn. I, I hope. Yeah. Yeah, I think also some of it, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome where I don't have a CS degree. So even though I've been exposed to big O notation and and sort of some amount of the math and algorithms, I, I always feel like, you know, people, there are a ton of people running around with PhDs who've done, you know, 10 years of optimization, convex and non-convex. Right. And I'm thinking, okay, 
I, I can't go back and get a PhD right this <laughs> second, but if I can absorb, you know, one one hundredth of the knowledge from these people, that will be huge. I yeah. see. Uh, that's interesting because I feel like at this point, it's been so it's been so long that it doesn't really matter what type of degree you have because you have so much experience. But 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 yeah, uh, I guess I I definitely understand that uh, part of it. It's just you're more familiar with doing web technology, and so. Uh, all the statistics and machine learning is is probably new. Um, I, I I felt the same way um, when I started doing some of the machine learning, um, but but yeah, but I I mean I, I think it it's definitely the type of thing that that you can pick up. Uh, yeah, and it depends also about is it going to be applied to a product. So that's another thing that over over the course of time, yeah. I've I looking back. A lot of the positions I've been at have been consumer product focused, right. uh, whether it's making your T-shirts, downloading your MP3s, right. um, you know, browsing the web, looking at graphics, watching, you know, making movies, and this this seemed like maybe another opportunity to to fill in some gaps uh, mm-hmm. where I'd been through the the innovate, release, uh, maintain cycle right. of, of of consumer products apps a few times now. So maybe if I can get a little bit more exposure to what it would have been like had I gone to, you know, get a master's or, or to stay in academia or, or do a little bit of research. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a good time to, right. to do it. I see. I see. Uh, well, we're, we're running short on time and we're going to we're going to get kicked out of this room in a few minutes. Um, but it's been great talking with you. Uh, and and I've really enjoyed hearing about uh, how you ended up uh, in as a as a developer, you know, coming from a from a non computer science background. Yeah, and thanks thanks for having me, yeah. and I'm I'm super excited to hear the other people's stories. Yeah, because uh, it's it's always interesting to, to hear people's backgrounds. Yeah, thanks.